Hi, everyone, and welcome to Cybersecurity Career Talks. I am Nilofa Tamboli, your host, your coach, your teacher on this journey with you as we explore different careers in cybersecurity until you find your dream job. I have with me today Mitesh Shah. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Cybersecurity Career Talks. I am Nilofa Tamboli, your host, your coach, your teacher on this journey with you as we explore different careers in I have with me Mitesh Shah, who's a mobile security expert, and uh, Mohan Yelnadu, who is an AppSec expert and a big supporter of the show. Thank you, Mitesh and Mohan. And I'm just Thank going you. to do, share my screen. Okay, but before we start, there's a disclaimer. The views expressed in this presentation and during the session are the personal opinions of the participants and do not reflect the official policy or position of their respective employers. This discussion is a volunteer-led effort to contribute to the profession and pay forward the many kindnesses and instances of support and guidance that the partner participants have received in the course of their career. So this is part three at API security, we've covered mobile device security and mobile app security in the previous uh, videos. So if you've not, this is the third part, which is we are going to deal with API securities, security. So if you've not seen those videos, please go and see them. And if you just are interested in to learn about API security, then this is the video to watch. Thank you so much. So Mohan. Yeah, sure. Let me actually kick off and then uh, Mohan will come in. So um, as uh, Nilofar mentioned, we had three-part uh, series. The first session was uh, focusing on the mobile device security. Um, so we were kind of like providing guidance foundation up. So that if someone has to uh, wants to transition the career or if they're in this area and want to enhance their knowledge, then how to go about doing it. And so the first session was starting from the device security itself. And then uh, on top of it, building further in the second session was the mobile app security. Uh, so the, as the apps get developed, how do we protect data and the application security itself? Uh, today's session is around API security because if we look at the full ecosystem, uh, you have mobile devices and apps running on it, but there is always some kind of backend uh, behind those apps. And that's where the API comes into picture with this uh, current trend of Azure development, microservices architecture, um, APIs are imminent in this mobile ecosystem. And uh, you will see uh, um, that every mobile app has some kind of interaction with the API backend. So that's what we are going to focus on today. So this way as a, mobile app security specialist, um, you should also have knowledge about the backend components. And, and that's where the mobile security meets the traditional app security. Uh, so uh, that will be the focus of today's session. Uh, let's go to the next slide. So as far
far as the um, app security, just a refresher here. We gave several resources um, on how to go about what what exactly type of skill set you need in order to um, transition into this career or as a mobile app sec expert, uh, what are some of the um, industry best practices that you should learn? And these resources uh, are listed here, so I'm not going to go every one of them, but uh, that's the, just a refresher from the previous session. Um, so let's go to the next slide. Um, apart from that, um, we talked about both sides, the controls and best practices, but at the same time, um, as a practitioner, um, the best way to learn about is understand the threats. What are the uh, risks that we are um, we can put potentially have, and that will help you understand what type of controls or the uh, knowledge that I need to build in order to provide the best guidance as a security practitioner. And the MITRE Tech Framework is one of the best resources um, I use very frequently personally in my job, and um, uh, this is the uh, resource that uh, you know, highly recommended uh, that everyone who is interested in this area should look at. And it will give you from both mobile perspective as well as some of the backend um, component, and that's where it will apply to the API security, uh, some of the threats that are listed here. So, so um, just from the overall um, threat model perspective, you have a uh, mobile device, and uh, usually people are behind data, right? So a just device itself does not have uh, much value other than from the uh, business perspective. But when you put the data on it, it has significant value, right? So you have email, you have messages, you have several enterprise applications. Uh, so that's the data. But uh, there are in the overall threat model, that is a middle component, which is the network security, where mobile device connects to the backend server, but then most importantly is the backend. And that's where the API in current days is heavily leveraged because it just um, directly deals with the data. And the UI layer is kind of addressed at the mobile app itself. So when you combine the together, that's where the business functionality come into life. Um, so, if we just focus on the mobile device and app security, it is kind of like half the picture. In order to complete the full picture of the threat model, um, that's where we are introducing today the API security part. So, I'll let Mohan uh, take it from here. On your new tech. Yeah, uh, sorry, thank you. Can we go to the next slide, please? Sure. So uh, thanks, Mitesh, uh, for setting the context here. Last session was on mobile app security. So uh, this slide is kind of a, a, a transition slide, I would say. Uh, so uh, as Mitesh rightly said, uh, you have mobile device and security, then you have mobile app security. And then uh, just the app and the mobile is not uh, an attractive bait for uh, hackers actually, right? Uh, unless they connect to a backend server where the enterprise data is there, right? So uh, 
when we talk about mobile app security, we basically talk about uh, what is there on the uh, app itself, you know, anything sensitive, like, uh, 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 you know, it could be hard-coded API keys, it could be, you know, clear storage of uh, API-based credentials, uh, or weak implementation of, uh, you know, JWT tokens, uh, you know, used for authorization or other purposes, right? So uh, anything that is found on the uh, mobile native app uh, is actually uh, a big starting point for hackers, uh, you know, to take it and then, uh, you know, further uh, propagate that uh, exploitation to the backend, right? Uh, so uh, apart from that, uh, you know, uh, from the mobile app security and API security, what is critical is the data, uh, you know, about the device, about the user uh, uh, that is being sent transparently. Uh, that means without the knowledge of the user, uh, the app user, uh, you know, to the third parties. And sometimes it happens via some of the uh, framework APIs, some of the uh, open source uh, modules that are built into the mobile app or from the other apps which are actually list, trying to listen to uh, all this, whatever is, uh, you know, that is possible to get the hands on and share it with third party. So uh, this is basically what is covered from, uh, you know, uh, API security as well as mobile app security. So uh, now on, we'll now focus only on the API security uh, side. Yeah, over to the next slide. Now, before we go ahead, I think it is, uh, you know, uh, and understand more about API security uh, domain, we need to understand what are the major challenges that, uh, you know, we are facing uh, currently. So uh, the first and biggest challenge is the inherent nature of the API domain itself. Uh, why I'm saying uh, inherent domain? Because uh, if you see, uh, compared to other uh, software development components, uh, APIs uh, are relatively new, you know, I would say around a decade uh, uh, old. And that has proposed, uh, I mean, that has brought out uh, more uh, challenges, especially because uh, the dev community itself is uh, uh, not fully aware of, uh, I mean, they are aware of API development, but they are not fully aware of secure API development. And that's where the challenge is actually. Apart from uh, the maturity of the development community, we also have the scarcity of uh, API security skill set available in the market. And these two combinedly actually bring a very big challenge uh, you know, for the API security domain. The next uh, big challenge is the technology landscape that we have in the API ecosystem. So we have a, you know, a complete variety starting from legacy web services, uh, XML-based uh, services. Uh, we have SOAP, REST, WebSockets, GraphQL, and now recently, Async APIs. And this list is going to go, uh, you know, uh, go on expanding, basically, because every now and then, uh, uh, different uh, technology entrepreneurs or leaders, uh, they see challenges in the existing technology, and they try to, you know, overcome those by introducing new technology. And uh, we all know any new technology will take some time to mature. And that is the time when uh, the hackers actually want to exploit uh, the uh, uh, you know, evolving technology landscape and uh, gain more uh, uh, whatever. It could be enterprise data or you know, IP violation or and so on, privacy, et cetera, right? 
So uh, this uh, continuous changing nature of technology landscape in the API domain is uh, one of the biggest challenges that we are seeing now. Uh, third challenge is the fragmented API management solutions. We'll talk about API management in subsequent slides. Uh, just to give a, 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 a heads up, uh, API management, as the name suggests, uh, it uh, basically revolves around all the different lifecycle events associated with API. And you need a dedicated component to take care of this, uh, uh, you know, just like you have an app server, uh, which does uh, take care of the mobile, sorry, uh, the web application. Similarly, we have for API, uh, we need API management solution, you know, so that basically sits, uh, you know, in, in at the central location and then manages all the lifecycle events of, the, of an API. So uh, what is happening in this space is uh, because it's decade old, and uh, you know there are a uh, lot of uh, solutions that have come up from uh, uh, small uh, startups to uh, you know established enter uh, enterprise vendors and every vendor basically tries to uh, showcase their solution as a unique and with feature rich uh, options uh, and in in the process uh, they make it more custom and that has uh, brought in additional challenges in the api security domain because uh, imagine for an organization which has multiple business units and each unit has gone for a say different API management solution. So at a center location, if you have to apply some uniform policies across these solutions, uh, it becomes a big challenge because every uh, solution has been uh, you know, brought out from different vendor. So it's all customized and uh, there's no standardization uh, in the services. So uh, this basically you know, uh, brings in additional challenge in the API security ecosystem. And the last and uh, the biggest challenge I would say uh, is the uh, scaling of API security effort. Now, uh, what is happening is uh, developers have started liking, uh, you know, the microservice based uh, deployment, uh, development and deployment model. Similarly, with Microsoft comes APIs. And uh, uh, what has happened is uh, since they started liking more, uh, the, all the features they're deploying uh, is via the uh, you know um, APIs and new APIs are being deployed at a much faster rate uh, as well as the existing APIs are being enhanced you know at a faster rate and uh, so this is what is the development uh, movement however uh, in parallel if you look at uh, you know uh, and check what security uh, is doing the API security is doing uh, it's actually just trying uh, to see the uh, older versions of the API still. I mean, they're not able to catch up to the speed at which developers are deploying uh, new APIs, enhancing the existing APIs. So apart from this, there's additional challenge of uh, the uh, deprecated APIs, right? So uh, you have to ensure that the deprecated APIs are not published anymore uh, you know, to the external world. So uh, the security team is still busy with uh, you know, discovering uh, versions that are no more being used no more being supported, but still they are published, you know, the, they are exposed. So uh, these are all uh, basically add up to the challenge in the, you know, API security domain. So uh, with this, I think, I hope I've given, uh, uh, you know, enough uh, context in terms of uh, uh, what is uh, the API security domain, uh, you know, looking like, you know. Now uh, we'll go back and uh, see uh, how we are trying to solve this, uh, some of the challenges, uh, you know, uh, in a, uh, from different dimensions. 
yeah let's go to the just next one point to add there is uh, yeah yeah please if if you if someone is entering into this career with some development background um, and trying to get their arms around how do i learn the api security best practices all that um, i would recommend starting with the rest apis uh, because uh, that is where the majority of the growth is uh, and then work their way with in the other areas. So uh, that's just true. a strong recommendation. True, true. Yeah, very good point. In fact, earlier it used to be SOAP, but now it's the rest which rules the world. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, in the real-time architecture, real-time APIs, uh, I think WebSockets uh, uh, also is right. now slowly picking up. Uh, mm -hmm. And... Uh, I mean, just yesterday I was reading about async APIs, you know, and uh, that is also catching up now. Uh, so yeah, let's see. But uh, yeah, as you, as uh, Mitesh rightly said, REST is actually ruling the world. So if you can start with that, uh, you would be able to uh, learn because there's a lot of uh, training material, uh, uh, you know, uh, as well as free videos, free blogs uh, that is available in the open domain in the internet. Yeah. Hey, Mohan, I have a few questions yeah. right now to stop. So I am going to be this developer or I'm going to be this marketing person who is told that they can automate everything by joining this with one of the SaaS apps with the others. And they ask, uh, hey, do you have an API which I can, you know, uh, use? Or so, so somebody says, no, we don't have API, but we've got web books. And then there are all these intermediary like Zapier and Fably Connect. And there are all these different uh, vendors which uh, uh, help you connect one app to the other with this whole automation stuff going on. So right. for, for somebody who is like, what is the difference between API and Webhook? Okay. Uh, well, they do serve similar purposes, I would say. Um, I, I have used webhooks, uh, but very uh, in, in limited time. And these are primarily exposed by um, the tools. Uh, I mean, I would say it, it's like a old way of working, uh, but uh, 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 it, I mean, APIs can be used uh, in pulling, right? Uh, and the webhooks can be used for pushing. Uh, so, uh, you know, so you, you basically, uh, it's like publish and subscribe kind of model, right? Uh, if you have API, you can actually uh, call the API. That means you you uh, decide, you know, it's, it's like, a, uh, what do you call this? There's this, this uh, dedicated terminology called event-driven architecture and uh, one more, I just missed that. So these two are parallel, uh, you know, um, architectures. Uh, now, async API is basically trying to enhance the event-driven architecture, right? Uh, so uh, I would say the difference as such uh, between API, API and Webhook, um, it's, it's primarily the way you implement it, uh, okay? Uh, APIs are the recent way of uh, exposing the services and the methods around those services. And the Webhook is kind of a um, you know, traditional way of uh, exposing the same thing, yeah. And both okay. are used for automation these days, yeah. Okay, all right. Mitesh, you wanted to add something? Uh, no, I think it's accurate. So uh, to me, Webhook is more like a listener. You're listening for something mm -hmm. constantly uh, versus API is there for more interactive uh, 
basically it's an interface that is out there for interaction uh, for someone so you can uh, provide different uh, sets of input and it will provide you uh, different sets of output based on its specification versus webhook to me is you're listening for something uh, specifically and it's just uh, constantly pinging you that okay this happened this happened this happened something like that so and that's the way to explain in simple language thank you thank you so much uh, this is basically my reason for asking you was that everybody wants everybody to open their database like through apis and so they can interconnect and they can you know automate and they can and everybody wants to do it with low code or no code preferably and that's why there is this importance of having this api security and even making people aware that you know you have to make sure because now you are exposing your database so let's go to the next slide Uh, yeah, all right. So this is how a, a typical enterprise API ecosystem looks like. Uh, on the far left, you have client applications. It could be the mobile tablet or any other client application, which is calling the API. So uh, the API traffic actually first is uh, analyzed by web application firewall or WAF. Uh, and then, uh, you know, once it does its own checks, it basically passes on that uh, to API management gateway. And uh, in the API management gateway, uh, they basically do, uh, you know, identity check. That means any authentication or any subscription key analysis or any token validation, et cetera. Nilofar, uh, you're not seeing it full screen. Yeah, okay, yeah, thank you. So uh, from uh, that validation at API management level, then uh, the traffic goes to API security uh, tool. And here, uh, a, a deeper analysis, uh, especially focused towards API security is uh, done. Okay, And then if everything was okay, the traffic then gets forwarded to API endpoint. And eventually, if there is any database requirement, the API endpoint interacts with the DB and gives the response back. Uh, at API security level, in case uh, you know something is not correct, either the request itself is malformed or some malicious uh, data has been uh, you know uh, being pushed through a request. In such cases, API security domain stops the traffic at that point and then you know gives a, a, a error message, uh, uh, whatever based on uh, the configuration that is done at the API security tool level. So, uh, so that's basically the main flow. And then there are additional flows. Uh, as I said, uh, when the request comes, API request comes at API management level, uh, you need to do authentication slash authorization. And that point, uh, you need to use identity and access management uh, services uh, to ensure that the API identity service is complete uh, and it's fulfilled. Uh, and if not, uh, then appropriate error is given, and uh, you know uh, the requester is. Uh, uh, I mean, requester will get the appropriate error, and uh, then the flow stops there. Uh, now, once this traffic uh, is complete, uh, you know the response is de delivered. Uh, then the role of SIEM actually uh, comes in. Imagine uh, SIEM is primarily security information and event management. 
so it has its uh, web hooks or uh, uh, it has its own uh, you know um, agents sitting on all these different uh, security and other components which basically keeps looking at the logs and the events that are happening and pushes that to SIEM tool. Um, so uh, the purpose of this uh, tool is basically to gather all this information and do some AI or ML, uh, you know, artificial intelligence or machine learning or, or some other business logic and come up with patterns, you know, patterns which actually help the security team to see uh, any um, potential attack or any exploitation of any vulnerability uh, and so on. So, so the moment SIEM actually, uh, you know, alerts something saying that, hey, you know what, uh, the rule says, uh, if there are more than five records being retrieved from the database layer, uh, uh, you know, uh, it has to generate alert. And then the moment, uh, as a security consultant, when I see such alert, then I keep track of that whole uh, flow, starting from, when uh, who requested this and uh, you know and uh, all the way till the db layer and then i get a complete flow to analyze and do the uh, you know incident handling right so that is the job of uh, uh, the siem component and then uh, we have devops tooling which basically integrates at uh, three different levels uh, it integrates at api management level uh, to ensure that the api management gateway has knowledge about uh, which new APIs have been uh, deployed, uh, what existing APIs have been enhanced, you know, with a, a newer version, right? And then uh, the DevOps tooling has to interact with API security tool to understand uh, whether the API is mature enough to be deployed, right? So API security tool uh, works sta uh, through static analysis, through dynamic analysis and tells the uh, developer hey, uh, you know what, your API is not at mature and this is the score. And this score is less than the threshold score that is required for deployment. And then the development uh, team gets a feedback, they update and they again come back, right? And then API security tells, okay, now the score is better. Uh, it is about threshold. I'm allowing you to you know, uh, deploy. And then uh, you have uh, uh, the deployment where DevSupport, uh, in the DevOps tooling, you have CD pipeline or a deployment pipeline. That basically deploys in the uh, deploys the new APIs or uh, enhanced APIs in the API endpoint level. So that's how uh, uh, you know uh, the interaction happens uh, uh, from DevSecOps tooling with the main uh, API uh, ecosystem. Uh, at API management gateway, apart from identity, there are a few other things that are uh, you know required. Uh, primarily, uh, API. Uh, Gateway is, of course, one, then API policy server. Uh, API policy server basically uh, takes care of, uh, you know, the whole life cycle of uh, an API. Uh, uh, the onboarding part, the enhancement parts, the other configuration related to, uh, you know, API, as well as at the end offboarding part, right? If an API gets deprecated, API management uh, and API policy server basically decides, uh, you know, how to deprecate it uh, so that there's lesser impact on the production environment, right? So that's basically uh, uh, the API uh, uh, policy server uh, service, right? And the third service at API management gateway level that usually we find is a developer portal. Now, developer portal is basically a service which is meant for both internal developers as well as external developers. These days, we have a lot of uh, open APIs. That means 
we expose some APIs and then uh, the part, our partners, our vendors, they basically take those APIs and then uh, you know, further enhance it and use it in their respective platform. So their developers also need access to our uh, you know, API ecosystem. So this developer portal gives uh, manages the access uh, you know, uh, for both the internal as well as external uh, developers. So these three different services, the gateway service, the policy service, and uh, you know, the developer portal service, all these are uh, usually combined in the API management gateway level. Uh, the API security level uh, service, API security service is something that normally resides outside. Uh, so maybe we can go to the next slide and we'll talk about uh, you know, in detail the API security service. So, so Mohan, uh, when we talk yeah, about yeah. an API gateway, is this right. like a commercial service? Is this something that is, how, how is this deployed across the organization? If you can just talk a little okay, bit yeah, about Okay, yeah, sure. Good question, in fact. Uh, uh, there's a lot of confusion around this part, you know. So uh, usually uh, it, it's, it's, uh, it's a component that uh, sits, uh, if you've seen the diagram, right? Maybe if you can show that slide, I can explain sure, better. Sure, sure, I'll just pull that up. I'll just pull that up. So if you see, uh, you know, it, it actually sits in the central location uh, for, uh, you know, uh, the um, overall management of the uh, or, overall management of the API. So it is an external service uh, uh, or it can be internal service, depends, uh, you know, how your organization is deploying these APIs, right? Uh, so imagine uh, you are in cloud, uh, so you would probably deploy it uh, in, in one of your uh, cloud tenants. And then that would give services to your APIs. Now, uh, sometimes you may have to support APIs, external APIs. Uh, okay. In such cases, also you can use, uh, you can expose this management gateway for the uh, for supporting managing external APIs as well. Yeah. So it's so basically um, just to add to that, right? Um, yeah. I think the where this. API management space is heading is it used to be more like a proxy or just getting an incoming request uh, right. that is internet facing um, and it, it used to be appliances or a logical server that you can deploy um, as a software. However, uh, going forward and in fact it's already there is that it's no longer just a uh, proxy component. Proxy. It is actually part of the security defense in depth because the API gateway itself has now security services, as Mohan mentioned. So, uh, and the, from the cloud perspective, pretty much all cloud providers provide that as a service. So it's just like you go to a cloud provider and say, I need storage and I need servers similar to that. You can say, I need an API gateway. Uh, so it's just as simple as that, basically. Right. So yeah, that's exactly uh, correct. Uh, all the cloud service providers provide uh, API management service, uh, uh, you know, as out of box service, as well as there are uh, vendors outside, uh, you know, they also provide dedicated API management gateways and uh, both are evolving. Uh, there are some challenges uh, on both sides, but uh, yeah, compared to uh, what Mitesh said, you know, uh, the earlier phase of API management was primarily to do the reverse proxy. 
part, but now it has evolved and it has started adding more features like, as I said, uh, the gateway part, the policy part, developer portal part, as well as uh, some part of API security as well. So uh, yeah, yeah hopefully- It actually feature, takes- Yeah. Yeah, it, it takes some burden away from the developer also because uh, it can do rate limiting um, and uh, do some uh, specific uh, con transformation of data that uh, if you have a, sometimes even the protocol difference, right? Um, where you have a legacy SOAP and now you want to leverage the rest uh, as a, your uh, front end uh, right. to interact with the customers because you have a better security model for rest, then you can uh, leverage API gateway. So it has come a long way uh, and uh, pretty much a central point of focus when it comes to defense in depth where web application firewall rule has been dramatically reduced because API management gateway is now offering some of those features. So it's just an, an important part is web application firewall often when in the context of API, it can only do some generic stuff versus API gateway has the context of your API because there is also a proxy defined on that. Um, so it can do more or, or more custom controls versus what web application firewall can do for API. So uh, like, yeah, basically your authentication happens at that API uh, management gateway level, right? That's right. Usually it, uh, the identity Identification, right? Uh, the API identity service is provided external to the API management gateway. Uh, I mean, in some cases, they've attempted to combine it and uh, that messes up a lot of things. Usually, enterprises have their own IAM service, you know, um, either internally hosted or cloud service provided or, uh, you know, the uh, external vendor service, right? Uh, like Okta, Fogerock, et cetera. So uh, these services usually stay out and provide uh, the uh, uh, you know identification um, as well as authentication and authorization services to the API management gateway. Okay, perfect. You want me to go to the next slide? Yeah, please. Yeah, here we are talking about uh, how the uh, you know. So in the last slide I talked about, right, at API management gateway level, there are a lot of functions that are now, um, as it has evolved, uh, you know, it is taken care of, right? Uh, like portal, uh, the developer portal, the, uh, the service uh, uh, services actually, uh, as well as the uh, gateways, right? As well as a, a part of API security. Uh, so, here I'm talking about how the API security actually has been spread out at different levels because uh, it is appropriate to handle these uh, areas at those uh, different layers in the overall enterprise network. And that gives us, uh, as Nitesh rightly said, the difference in depth uh, you know, for the APIs. So uh, when the client traffic comes uh, you know, uh, for APIs, uh, first layer is your web application firewall. And at that layer, uh, you can take care of uh, uh, DDoS kind of attack. DDoS is distributed denial of service, uh, as well as uh, WAFs are generally very capable of uh, you know handling uh, uh, web-based attacks, or uh, I would say uh, the generic OWASP uh, uh, web top ten attacks. You know, so those are really matured and. Uh, uh, they, they provide really good service uh, at a WAF layer. That is at the 
entry level or at the gate level for the enterprise network. Uh, however, it has not matured enough to take care of uh, uh, you know supporting uh, API security. Although few vendors have started offering API security at a WAF level, however, the maturity uh, you know still uh, is not there. Uh, and then the traffic comes to the API management gateway, where, as I said, uh, you know, part of the API security is uh, handled at this layer. Uh, so as uh, Mitesh talked about uh, rate limiting, uh, you know, throttling, uh, as well as, uh, you know, uh, taking care of authentication, authorization, token management, uh, subscription tokens, etc., as well as token validation. When the request comes, it validates the token if it is the correct token used by uh, the subscriber, uh, whether it is still uh, 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 you know, live uh, or not expired yet, uh, those kind of validations are done at the API gateway level. And once uh, these things are sorted out, then the traffic is passed on to the next layer. And this is the most sophisticated uh, API security uh, layer, I would say, uh, because here uh, it has full knowledge about uh, the data that is coming in through requests, uh, it has full knowledge about the path at which it is trying to hit, uh, as well as uh, you know the JSON schema, uh, as well as the open API specification uh, 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 schema, basically, right, or the contract rather. So uh, this sitting at this layer, API security uh, tool actually can validate very in depth, right. Apart from this validation, uh, uh, it can actually help analyze from the security side, uh, internal traffic and external traffic. So what is this internal and ex external traffic? So uh, when we talk about um, uh, external traffic, that means traffic coming from outside, uh, it is usually referred as uh, uh, north-south traffic. That means uh, uh, from external layer, it has come inside, and then you have uh, an endpoint actually serving to that request. And API security tool monitors that uh, traffic and uh, you know the requests as well as the responses and checks if there are any security challenges, right? So that's the external traffic. Similarly, uh, there is internal traffic. That means we call it as east-west, where uh, uh, an API, uh, which is called by the external user, uh, depends on another API for its uh, whatever business requirement fulfillment, right? So and that API is uh, internal API, uh, or it may uh, again, depend on multiple few other APIs. So this traffic between the APIs, which are behind, uh, you know, they are, which are inside the enterprise network, we call that traffic as internal traffic uh, uh, or east-west traffic, right? East-west is internal and north-south is external traffic. So uh, both these traffics can have security vulnerabilities, right? And uh, the API security tools configured at this layer can actually uh, analyze better uh, you know, because it, it, it is at uh, the gate level, I would say, you know, uh, and uh, so they are best uh, uh, placed to analyze both the traffics and, uh, you know, provide validation services. Apart from that, uh, you know, in the next few slides, we'll see, uh, you know, there are some specific uh, attacks that happen only in the API domain, right? So API security tools are configured for this niche uh, requirement, you know, or niche validation. So API defense in depth is covered in uh, you know this uh, API security tool or layer three, yeah. So this way basically uh, you know defense in depth is achieved for uh, security testing. Apart from that, the other two layers, right, the API endpoint layer, the database layer, they have the traditional uh, uh, security, right? Uh, so uh, you know validating the any input that is coming from uh, untrusted source that is implemented at API endpoint level. 
as well as at the DP layer, DB layer, you have uh, disk encryption or field level encryption or masking for uh, you know, sensitive data, as well as some other uh, procedures are written to ensure that uh, you know, those get uh, triggered uh, based on certain conditions, right? Or uh, I've seen in some organizations, they uh, uh, implement kill switch. That means if uh, there's excess data that is being uh, retrieved, which is uh, more than usual data, kill switch gets triggered and the database gets completely disconnected from the you know, uh, API endpoint. So uh, all these different layers basically give us a very good uh, defense in depth uh, if uh, properly configured. Yeah. So, so Mohan, when people ask yeah. me what is a WAF and what is a RASP like this API security tool, which is like a RASP, right? Runtime protection. So the yeah, difference yeah. is like wearing gloves, which is your WAF, which helps you so that things don't go inside. And then once if they've gone through that, uh, your RASP or your runtime protection is like a vaccination, which is trying to help you once the traffic has or something has uh, bad has come inside the environment. Is that a good way yeah. of describing the difference between the API yes. security tool and the WAF? Yes, yes, you can say that very well. Uh, in fact, uh, see, uh, WAF or web application firewall is, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's a firewall, right? So if you see the history of uh, how the WAF has evolved, earlier we used to use network fi level firewalls, right? And once we saw the applications are evolving with a lot of data, so uh, there was a need felt uh, to, uh, you know, because uh, the network firewall actually works only at the network layer, right? And then as and when, uh, uh, you know, uh, the uh, attacks were seen at the application layer, and, uh, you know, the, they were, uh, uh, although, any attacks through network level blocked by network firewall, but the attacks at the application level uh, were actually going through, uh, you know, smoothly. And that's where, uh, you know, uh, more context specific uh, firewalls came and that are basically known as web application firewall. That means uh, it works at a layer seven at application layer, and then it knows, uh, you know, uh, the uh, expectations basically uh, in terms of how to detect uh, application level attacks, right? because it has a context around it. And each application uh, you can configure at WAF level saying that, okay, this, this, these are my requirements, you know, and then you can uh, onboard or enroll that application on a WAF. So WAF can actually cater to web application or application level uh, attacks very uh, effectively compared to the network firewall, right? But again, what we saw, uh, you know, uh, WAF is also lacking uh, uh, some of the, uh, you know, um, lacking uh, ability to stop some uh, niche attacks, right? So that's where the RASP came in actually. Uh, so RASP is a real-time application self-protection. So uh, that works uh, next to uh, where your uh, server is deployed in the production, right? It actually goes through, uh, it, it, it uh, you know, uh, it basically takes a copy of, uh, I mean, th there are different ways of implementing RASP. Uh, it takes the traffic or takes a copy of the traffic, analyzes it real time, and then it, 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 it works the closest way compared to WAP, you know, or compared to network firewall uh, with the application layer, right? Uh, and since it knows uh, usually uh, what ports are open, what uh, commands are executed, what process are normally required, right? 
So if uh, it, so, it has basically a profile of uh, what application uh, uh, usually does, and then uh, since this uh, RASP pools have that uh, very close knowledge about how applications work uh, with all these uh, profile details, anything uh, uh, you know above and beyond this profile, it basically stops the request at that point in time, right? And uh, it it uh, then RASP tools can be configured to uh, you know so. Uh, to do some additional checks, which are context specific. That means, imagine uh, you know a request has come which has bypassed RAP, which has bypassed uh, any other firewall and other layers, and come to uh, you know the API endpoint or web uh, server. Okay, and you have this Rust running, and then uh, this request basically uh, is trying to uh, create a new port or calling a new. Uh, Process uh, or uh, you know uh, starting a new service, something of that sort, which is not there in the profile of that uh, runtime, uh, you know, for that application profile, right? So immediately the runtime uh, protection tool kicks in and then says, hey, you know what, uh, this looks unusual. Let me start uh, giving uh, additional uh, validation. So maybe uh, MFA is asked. Maybe uh, you know, I'm just giving an example. Okay. So uh, this is this is the closest uh, uh, protection, uh, uh, you know. Uh, Compared to all other uh, traditional layers, right? So RASP, because it is closest to the application, uh, it can actually cater to each request level validation, right? Uh, better than the other layers. So uh, in this context, in the API security domain, yes, uh, uh, API security tools uh, are you know are working at different layers. I'll cover that in the next slide, in fact. So one of the dimensions of API security tool is uh, giving protection at runtime. Just like a RASP, okay. So this tool basically uh, has all the necessary knowledge about, uh, as I said, the data path, schema, uh, okay, the uh, expected uh, error codes or a success code like 200 OK or 403, 404, etc. And uh, because these tools actually uh, have given the feedback to the development teams, development teams have actually configured their implementation. To respond to each of these, uh, you know, uh, different error codes. If it is 200 okay, everything is okay. Respond, right? If it is, uh, you know, anything 200 uh, other than 200, you actually have a configuration uh, fix uh, saying that okay, if it is say 300 or say 404, this is the error message you give. So you don't even process the request at API security level itself. You send the response back saying that you know what, request is not proper for this reason, right? So you basically avoid processing load at the API endpoint by securing uh, your responses at uh, the uh, you know runtime protection layer or API firewall layer. So some of these tools uh, they refer uh, uh, instead of runtime protection they call it as API firewall because that's the additional layer uh, you know uh, which is sitting next to the API endpoint. So you can call it as RASP API firewall or API security tool. Uh, in pro uh, production, uh, all these are basically same. So they have more better niche context, either to the web application or to the API endpoint, so that it can protect uh, you know more closely. Yeah. I hope I answered your question. Yes, you did. Thank you. Okay. Okay. So uh, so we understood uh, you know the API uh, ecosystem. We understood. Uh, how the defense in depth works in the API domain. Now let's understand how these tools, uh, API security tools should work, right? 
and uh, as i've said in the disclaimer it is borrowed from 42 crunch model uh, this is one of the vendors again i'm saying uh, use your judgment this is not an endorsement okay so don't sue me later <laughs> so uh, here uh, the tools api security tools should ideally work at these three uh, modes you know in, in uh, audit mode scan mode and protect mode when when we talk about audit mode uh, here we are saying um, i'm a developer I'm developing uh, API. I'm, uh, I have already uh, ready open API specification contract or a Swagger file, uh, okay? And then um, I'm implementing, right? And while I'm doing that, if I get a feedback saying that, hey, you know what? Uh, you have implemented it, everything correctly for success flow, but for uh, uh, unsuccessful flow, for example, what if there is 504 or 404 or 403? Uh, you you don't have any implementation for it. So it gives a feedback and developer immediately implements it, right? And then uh, similarly, uh, hey, you know what? Uh, the data type validation is missing for this API method, right? So immediately the developer says, okay, yeah, that's fine. Let's, let me, uh, you know, uh, add that validation and then he moves ahead. Now imagine instead of getting this feedback here at the ID level, you, uh, you know, get the feedback at a later layer. Right, a later layer. When I say, I mean um, uh, during pen testing. Right. So what has happened is over a period, the uh, 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 you know th there's a gap or a time that has spent you know between uh, the developer and the pen testing. Uh, you know, so development activity, commit, etc. And then you have all the other activities. Right. Uh, you have functional testing, performance testing, security testing. Uh, all these in you know, automated CI/CD model, and then you have deployment, and in test environment, pen testing comes, and they do the analysis, and then they give a feedback, right? So this feedback is relatively late in the system. It can be days or it can be weeks in some organizations, right? So if you get an ID level feedback, this whole time that you are uh, wasting gets actually reduced to zero, right? So developers can actually get, uh, uh, you know, uh, security feedback, and they can improvise the code and fix those issues at a ID level during development itself. Similarly, uh, the API security tool should work uh, in, in the CI/CD level as well. What I mean by that, uh, I mean build breaker or gatekeeper way. That means uh, statically, when I committed uh, my code for an API method or uh, it's a new API altogether, once I commit. I have the CI and CD, you know, uh, the continuous integration and continuous deployment or development uh, uh, pipeline, right? So uh, these pipelines basically check uh, during its execution, check with the API security tool and say, hey, you know what, uh, give me certification whether this is okay to go ahead for deployment, right? And then uh, the security tool actually gives a feedback and says, hey, you know what, uh, for security, uh, this is the uh, ranking. Or this is the marks out of whatever. It could be out of 10, out of 100, or whatever. And uh, for data security, you know, this is the feedback. And these two feedbacks basically, uh, you know, help uh, us as an organization to do this check automatically and transparently, right? So the moment uh, the threshold, so imagine uh, I'm expecting minimum score of 80 for the API deployment, and the score is 75. Obviously, uh, you know, the, the automated pipelines will break the build and a developer get a feedback saying that, okay, the, the, the necessary score has not been met and that's where the uh, uh, build was broken. And he gets a complete feedback saying that these are the possible areas where you can actually improvise and uh, you know, fix the issue, right? So 
uh, at, in audit mode, uh, the static analysis basically helps uh, development teams to get a feedback and fix those issues at a very early stage, you know, like a shift left uh, uh, stage, I would say. And uh, the next important model is the uh, mode is the scan mode, right? In scan mode, what happens for every given API, uh, once you deploy it in a test environment, this API security tool uh, should go ahead and fuzz it or, uh, you know, attack it just the way uh, an attacker is trying to exploit uh, you know, various vulnerabilities present in an API, right? And this, we call it as a dynamic scan, uh, you know, uh, for an API security tool. So uh, the dynamic scan is basically, uh, you have, uh, you know, X number of uh, fixed, uh, I would say, uh, requests, and each request basically has malicious payload as if uh, attacker is actually attacking. And these uh, fixed requests, like hundreds or thousands, just go on bombarding on to the API, which is already running in the test environment, right? It is just like an automated pen testing, but it is done by a tool, right? Of course, it has its limitation compared to manual pen testing, but still this uh, mode actually gives us a very good feedback in terms of where the shortcomings are, right? So there are a few things that are missed by scan, uh, static scanning, which are covered by dynamic scanning, right? And uh, this, Combinedly, audit uh, mode and scan mode gives a very good feedback to the development teams well early, you know, before it gets deployed in the production. And the last is uh, the protect mode. Uh, this we talked about, you know, during RASP. So uh, it's basically runtime protection uh, as API firewall or as RASP. Uh, so this basically, uh, you know, sits in the production environment uh, and uh, it keeps looking at the traffic that is coming from uh, VAP, API gateway, and then uh, this tool, basically, uh, API security tool running as a RASP or API firewall. It analyzes the traffic, it checks all uh, the OWASP API security top 10, uh, it does all the other additional checks, and then uh, it either forwards the, uh, valid traffic to the API endpoint or uh, it gives an error response back to the, you know, uh, the, the requester. So that's how um, usually uh, API security tools should work, uh, you know, in an enterprise level. So these are, I would call, I call it as opportunities for us, uh, you know, for the security team to integrate at different levels so that, uh, you know, uh, different stakeholders can actually get uh, benefits, uh, you know, from the early feedback. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So Mohan, basically, this audit mode is like when you are developing something, then the scan mode is more like when you are testing and then protect mode is when it goes live? Correct, absolutely correct. Yeah, that's right. Okay, thanks. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, let, let's wait for this. Yeah, okay. OWASP API security top 10, so this is, uh, uh, just like, uh, you know, in, in the earlier sessions, we, we heard of uh, OWASP uh, web app security top 10, right? Similarly, uh, since APIs are gaining prominence across the uh, globe uh, in, in, at enterprise level, uh, uh, OWASP actually felt the need to have uh, documented uh, the niche attacks that happen in the API domain. And that's how this, uh, uh, you know, API security top 10 was born. And uh, it was released in 2019. Uh, I think uh, in this year, probably we may get uh, the second version 
So this was the first version released, by the way. Uh, so uh, if you look at uh, you know the list of these top ten, you would find uh, some of these are appearing in uh, mobile app security as well as uh, uh, you know web application uh, security top ten list as well. Because uh, when you're deploying, you're working at uh, app layer, right? Uh, at a layer seven in the OSI model. And um, so obviously, uh, you know, some of the attacks are going to be common, right? So if you look at uh, API uh, 7 to 8 and 9 and 10, you know, these four are, you can see it in across in the, in the web security, in the mobile app security, these, these attacks are uh, common. However, where they get targeted is different, you know, in, in the API domain, uh, security misconfiguration, for example, is uh, targeted towards, uh, you know, various components, which I showed uh, earlier in the API ecosystem. It could be WAF, it could be uh, API management gateway, it could be identity service, it could be even, uh, you know, at API security tool layer as well. So any misconfiguration done at any of these components in the API security domain or API domain uh, can be exploited, uh, you know, uh, so that's why it, it has appeared there. Now, if you look at API misconfiguration, you can find it in, uh, uh, you know, web application security top 10 as well, where uh, the components which are responsible to, uh, you know, give a web application service uh, gets targeted, right? So misconfiguration at component level is uh, the main motto uh, for bringing this uh, vulnerability in the top 10, right? So based on uh, where you're looking at, either web, mobile, or API, uh, you should basically look at uh, securing the configuration at various components that are there in your respective area. Uh, now, coming to API 1 and uh, to API 6, these are the niche attacks that uh, we have observed. I mean, the OWASP team has observed uh, towards the APIs. And uh, these you don't find uh, common in, uh, you know, uh, web app or mobile app security top 10, right? So, these are the ones which uh, the API security tool, a dedicated API security tool uh, usually targets, you know, to prevent any attacks. So you, uh, in, in the last core, uh, WAF is partially configured. API management gateway is again partially configured to take care of it. But if you look at API one to six, this has to be taken care by a dedicated niche API security tool, right? Uh, so I don't want to give more details on this because this itself would be a one or two hour session, uh, OWASP API security top 10. So I've given the link there. You can, you know, go to that and, uh, you know, uh, understand more details. In the next slide, I have given some uh, video links as well, which will give you even more additional information about uh, uh, how these attacks are getting exploited in the real world, right? So we have seen... Um, API is exposed by Facebook, Twitter, you know, Starbucks, all the top organizations uh, have been found vulnerable to one of these, uh, uh, you know, top 10 API security vulnerabilities. So, uh, so it's, it's not that, uh, you know, uh, only startups have these issues. No, even the established organizations, uh, you know, can go wrong uh, in the API domain. And that's why, you know, whenever I get a, an opportunity to talk, I basically stress on this. In API security uh, or in API domain, it's very easy to go wrong, uh, you know, in the API implementation. So it is very, very important that you have some strategy 
to take care of api security otherwise one single api call you know uh, uh, which is vulnerable uh, in exploiting a vulnerability can bring down uh, or dump the whole database right so if you're uh, not careful mass assignment you know uh, excessive data exposure these are the attacks which actually can bring the whole database out in one call right and we have seen it you know and I, if you just go to the resources and uh, refer some of the webinars and some of the videos you will actually come to know that it has happened in real world they have given the examples with the names how it happened etc so yeah just refer to the, those uh, links there yeah maybe you can go to the next slide yeah so th this is a partial list again right uh, because i have only limited space here <laughs> so uh, yeah, i've given the links for wasp api security top 10 uh, uh, as well as uh, wasp has other uh, links where cheat sheets uh, test guides etc are given so you can just explore the wasp.org and you can get a lot of information you know to to understand the api security domain and then how to work in it uh, you know for identifying testing and fixing those vulnerabilities uh, i have given link for uh, one of the 42crunch.com videos the webinar videos this gives a very good information about uh, you know how uh, the real world attacks have happened which are exploiting all the wasp top 10 you know uh, and it gives a very good view of uh, uh, you know what was the vulnerability how it was exploited and what was the result you know and how it can be fixed as well so uh, that that links basically i mean i really uh, like the content there so that's why i've given there again it's it's from a vendor uh, my disclaimer is it's it's not an endorsement so please don't uh, misunderstand uh, i have given links for open api specification uh, as well as oauth 2.0 and open id so when it comes to apis it's very important uh, you know uh, for a developer for a tester as well as for a researcher to understand uh, you know the authentication and authorization that goes in uh, you know the api implementation and that's where one needs to understand deeply uh, how oauth works how open id works and uh, which are the right use cases to apply uh, you know uh, oauth and open id right so th there are links which uh, you know i have given uh, which can give you more detail about those i have also given uh, pragmaticwebsecurity.com uh, resources html link uh, again it's from a training vendor but the resources are really good uh, and since there is a lot of confusion in terms of uh, clarity of oauth 1.0 2.0 open id where it should be applied and where it should not be applied you know so the the link actually can clarify a lot of uh, those doubts right uh, then uh, there are some api security newsletters webinars you can go through it uh, very good resources uh, and i really enjoy reading apisecurity.io because uh, uh, almost every week they send this newsletter uh, you know to cover what has happened in the api security domain for that week it could be uh you know new approach to api security or it could be new hacks uh, you know which cover different api vulnerabilities actually in the real world so you get a, a good view of uh, you know um, what has happened in that week for api security and of course there are a lot of videos in the youtube uh, just few days ago katie uh, paxton fear she has actually presented in the wasp uh, series on api security uh, and uh, i have given the link 
it's it's a very good session uh, i think more than 1400 500 people uh, uh, saw that video and uh, liked by many actually and i i really like that whole video so do go through the, these links and uh, yeah you can explore further uh, you know for a deeper understanding yeah so so and from the right. yeah just to add one thing so uh, we mentioned earlier that if someone wants to uh, transition the career into this then rest api start there and that's where the open api specification is uh, heavily relevant and uh, uh, i strongly recommend that e even though it may be somewhat uh, perceived as out of scope but they should really understand the swagger structure and the specification as much as possible because that will help as a practitioner um, help uh, where to where things can go wrong and how to correlate those things with the OWASP top 10 of api and all that so um, it's something to keep an eye on as the specification matures further Cool. Sure. Yeah. And this pragmatic web security has a free course on uh, OAuth uh, 2.0 and OpenID, and it uh, it is like uh, really good. So please go and if you are interested, please cool. make sure that you know you go through that course. It will provide you with practical lessons also. Um, again, like, so I highly recommend it. Yes. Yes. okay now uh, we got basic understanding uh, we got learning resources uh, where to look and learn uh, now how do we get started you know with uh, api security so what i would suggest is uh, you know first start, don't talk about api security first uh, uh, you know start with basics like how do you do the functional testing of an api right and then uh, if you uh, understand that well you can always mature to the next step that is uh, the api security testing right so you get familiar with the uh, the uh, the ecosystem about uh, functional testing of apis right so you have tools like postman again it's not an endorsement that's a widely uh, used tool uh katy in the last session uh, you know she recommended all these other tools uh, fuff kiterunner uh, zap is there burpsuit uh, both community and production uh these tools uh, are definitely useful in the journey uh, api functional testing as well as api security testing uh as well as there are burpsuit add-ons you know which are available uh, in both community and pro edition uh i haven't used it but katy has recommended so i've just pasted it here called authorize and infuel so these uh, add-ons actually uh, help in uh, you know uh, attacking a niche area uh, you know uh, in the api security domain and there are many more uh, add-ons so you have to just explore uh, you know and uh, port figures site the bots uh, switch site also gives uh, uh, you know lot of resources uh, you know to explore these uh, add-ons as well as use uh, basic features that are provided by burpsuit uh, similarly uh, zap has also lot of uh, resources uh, in the open source domain yeah uh, so once you are thorough with this basic understanding of how apis work how to do functional testing and then uh, you know you can look at the api documentation or uh, swagger or uh, the open api specification contract right uh, and uh, you understand how it uh, is been configured so mitesh was talking about uh, you know understanding uh, open api specification uh, right and that understanding basically helps in this uh, uh, you know at this stage 
because uh, once you understand that you know which are the areas to you know target in the shortest possible time uh, so that you can make uh, optimized use of your uh, you know resources and once you have that uh, you know then you are ready basically so then you start with uh, fuzzing uh, or any injection attacks or uh, of course OWASP API security top 10 attacks right and see if you can find something and if if you are able to find something you know like some vulnerability you do your own analysis uh, you know um, you understand what this can do actually you know impact wise whether it can impact only one api or it can uh, impact only one customer or it can impact the whole enterprise database right <clears throat> so because this this uh, impact is the one which basically uh, changes the criticality of your vulnerability right more the impact more will uh, be the criticality of your vulnerability so it can start from low uh, you know medium high to critical or even super critical kind of you know so once you understand uh, the impact of the vulnerability that you have identified you you uh, understand how to fix it as well because eventually you may have to talk to a development team who owns that api so you may have to guide them as well so it's not just uh, you know uh, okay to have knowledge of finding vulnerabilities uh, it's equally important to uh, you know help development team to remediate or fix those vulnerabilities as well right <coughs> the last part is uh, once you found it how do you disclose it you know uh, so my recommendation is do it in an ethical manner just share it with api owner and provide the remediation as well uh, you know on basically how to fix the uh, vulnerability that you have found so this is basically how a, a, a new entrant actually can transition you know look at the api uh, look at the api uh, you know functional testing tools get familiarized with it look at the open api specification get familiarized with uh, uh, the swagger uh, and the other uh, you know contract uh, that api exposes then then you uh, you know uh, take the next step of uh, you know doing uh, the security testing or api security testing with all the fuzzing injection techniques and all the api security vulnerability list and see if you can get it yeah so that's how you basically get start yeah we can go to the next slide unless there's some question so this is the last slide so now that uh, you know as a new entrant i've learned the basics what next i mean this slide is common uh, in the last session as well <clears throat> so best part is uh, to uh, get yourself registered in the bug bounty platforms because uh, these platforms uh, uh, bring two differ two two uh, main uh, participants uh, you know onto one platform one the researcher that is you you know who's willing to uh, spend some uh, time effort and uh, bring out some vulnerabilities second the enterprises see these enterprises uh, actually want their uh, applications apis or uh, you know mobile uh, apps to be uh, uh, tested thoroughly enough you know because uh, normally what happens uh, in the pen testing you get limited time like one week or two weeks time only right within that time the pen testing team has to do lot of uh, uh, you know um, coverage uh, of their test cases and uh, so uh, there is a kind of limitation and a, you know a sense of urgency to complete the pen testing within that period of time in the bug bounty there is no such limit 
So organizations get benefited, uh, you know, because a, a researcher can spend like one day or one week or even six weeks to find a very critical vulnerability, right? Because they spend more time, uh, they understand the platform better, the API implementation better, and can identify very critical vulnerabilities, uh, you know, uh, from the uh, implementation. So researchers and enterprises actually, so both, uh, you know, come, uh, uh, come at a bug bounty platform and work together. So um, organizations or enterprises basically authorize these researchers to go ahead and do the, uh, you know, whatever assessment, uh, testing and identify vulnerabilities, you know. Uh, so you, you are authorized to do this. Uh, so uh, I would suggest uh, as a new entrant, bug bounty platforms is the best place where you can show your skills. And if you're able to find some good vulnerabilities, which are like high critical, uh, et cetera, you can get uh, very attractive bounties as well. You know? And the last and most important point is, uh, uh, I talked about in the last slide also, the ethical disclosure. If you find some vulnerabilities outside bug bounty platform, right? Uh, in any of the APIs, disclose it only to its owner and don't do it publicly, but do it privately. You know. Uh, through their official ethical disclosure channel and uh, never ever publish uh, your achievements uh, in social media before it is fixed, right? So uh, the ideal workflow is you identify vulnerability, you disclose it ethically to the owner of that API and you give them some time you know, uh, to understand whether it is actually a vulnerability or not. Then they may ask some guidance you know, to fix it if they don't know and then it, it, then there's some time that you have to give it to the development team to fix it, validate it. They may come back to you as a researcher and say that, okay, can you check if it is valid uh, and fix? Uh, and then uh, once it is, uh, once the fix is in place, then you can check with them. Can I publish this in the social media? And then uh, if they are okay with it, just go ahead. And usually, uh, you know, the organizations are um, responsive. That means because you have put time, effort, energy into this, uh, they are, uh, either you know <clears throat> give you a swag or give you a, a bounty or a reward or they may have a hall of fame uh, you know within their organization so they may list your name there and then you can actually you know uh, boost that in the social media so this is how uh, you know uh, you should disclose the vulnerabilities that you find in an ethical manner or in a responsible manner and uh, not immediately jumping, uh, you know, and uh, going to the social media uh, before it has been fixed. Yeah, with that, uh, I end. Uh, if there are any questions, I think we can take it up. Sure. Uh, so <coughs> I, I don't see any questions uh, okay. at this time. Uh, so Mohan, would you be open to uh, coming on? And Nitesh, you also, because if there are questions regarding very specific, like we talked about the uh, OWASP top 10 API security um, and more or less it like injection and misconfiguration, et cetera, seem to be the same, but there are certain specific things that uh, will benefit people. So I'm just requesting you if that you open to that 
And thank you so much for sharing all these. It's been a great three-part series, securing apps, yes. securing devices, securing the APIs. So if somebody, even if a developer or somebody else from general IT area is interested in transitioning to a career in mobile security, I think this is a great, uh, great uh, series of videos. Thank you so much, Mohan and Mitesh. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Uh...